message is from the book of Exodus. Uh, there are four keys to living an effective life. How many people want to live an effective life? We don't just want to live, we want to live effectively uh, in, in this life. Moses uh, tells us how to do that. The book of, Ex, uh, the book of Hebrews, I'm sorry. Uh, we go to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 23. I want to go through the 27th verse. It says, uh, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Four keys to effective living. Moses, we know, uh, brought the tablets down from the mountain, the Ten Commandments that God had written with his own hand, and Moses carried them. He uh, wrote the first five books of our Bible. He was a man of, of great strength. He was raised uh, in the greatest place of education of that day and time in Egypt. He knew medicine, he knew building, he knew all the procedures of the leadership of Egypt. He was a man who, who lived his life in such a marvelous way when he turned it over to God. How did he do that? Well, first thing is that to, for us to live an effective life, there are four questions that we must answer in our life. We, we find that, first of all, we ask, who am I? Moses asked that question. He asked, uh, eventually, who am I? Why would he ask such a question? One reason is, he was a Jewish boy. His parents were Jewish. Now he's, he was raised by the Egyptians. So he's asking, who am I? I'm, I'm coming to terms with my background and with my future. And he, as he asked that question, he realized to live effectively, I must know where I came from, where I'm going, who I serve, how I'm going to live the rest of my life. He answered those questions in his own life. There's a story of Fred Craddock told. Uh, Fred was uh, a professor at Phillips University in Oklahoma. But he says he, was, uh, he and his wife went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee uh, for a conference. And he and his wife were in this restaurant. And they went in a quiet place the private place they loved. And he said, and as they were sitting, waiting for, to order their meal, his wife said, there's a, there's a man that's moving from table to table. I hope he doesn't come to our table. We wanted the privacy. But it wasn't long until this tall, handsome, white-haired man came to their table and he asked them where, where they were from. Well, we're from Oklahoma. And then he asked them, well, what do you do? Uh, well, Fred Craddock says, I, I teach homiletics uh, at uh, the university. And so the man said, oh, you teach uh, preachers how to preach. That's your job. Yes. 
And so he said, well, I have a story for you. And Fred Craddock's thinking everybody has a preacher's story to tell somewhere along life's way. But here's what he said. He said in, in this town there was a boy uh, that his mother, he was born out of wedlock. He went to school. All the kids made fun of him and called him names and ridiculed him because he was born out of wedlock. He said at, at the age of 12, he started going to church. And uh, he, he was embarrassed to be in church and he didn't want other people to see him because he was afraid they were going to say something. So as he, as he was thinking, uh, this little boy this day, he would come in late and leave early. And, and, but this day, the pastor gave the benediction and as, as he was walking out, he said there was a hand on his shoulder and he, and he cringed at that. And the man, the pastor asked him, Who, whose family are you? The little boy was so embarrassed. And then he said, the pastor stopped and he looked into my eyes. And he said, oh yes, I recognize you. You're a child of God. You're a part of his family. And he said, go out and claim your future because God has a bright future for you. And when he left the table, his wife said, do you know who that man was? Yes, I do. I, uh, Fred Craddock came from Tennessee. He said he's the former governor of the state of Tennessee. You see, all of us have a future. And when someone encourages us to help us to know who am I, it's such a great encouragement that we can carry through the years. He said, I carried through years with that word that that pastor said that day. Who am I? He was 40 years believing Moses, 40 years believing he was somebody, 40 years finding he was nobody, and 40 years realizing what God can do with a nobody. Here is this man, Moses. What are his choices? Well, his choices was when he was a little child, the basket. His, he found that God chose him. But when he came to 40 years of age, he came to realize that he could choose God. Now, his choice was for God. What's really important, he was looking ahead at what? At a reward. He had a reward that was absolutely invisible, but he believed in it. What was his goals? He realized that in his life, he was going to take the goals that were set by God Almighty in his life. Now, the four keys to living a life that's effective, the very first one is be yourself. Be who God called you to be. Remember little David? Saul gave him the heavy armor to put on to go face Goliath. And, and, and David said, I can't, I can't use this armor, so what I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to get a slingshot and five stones, and I'll take care of the king of Saul take care of Goliath. How did he know? Because he knew how he could fight. He wanted to be himself. And he, as the, the prodigal son, when you read that story, isn't it amazing that here is this boy that left his Jewish home. He, he had all that he wanted at home, but he left and left for the far country. 
And when he left for the far country, he spent his inheritance. And he's now feeding pigs. And he's, he's standing in mud feeding pigs. But it says, what does the Bible say? It says, he came to himself. That tells me that no matter where we are, no matter how far away we get from God, no matter what happens in our life, there could be a time that we come to ourselves. And what did he realize? He realized when he came to himself this, that my dad has houses, my dad has cattle, my dad can take care of me, and what am I going to do? I'm going to get out of this pig pen. I'm going to go make my choice to be living with my dad. I'll be his servant. But he came to himself. Isn't it amazing when we come to ourselves what we find that's inside of us that Almighty God has developed in, in his life? And the second thing is be, re, be responsible. Be responsible in, in your life. I have this uh, story I, I want to read to you. It's just a couple minutes. But it's about being responsible. A man in a hot air balloon realized that he was lost. He reduced altitude and spotted a woman below. He descended a bit more and shouted, Excuse me, can, can you help me? I promised a friend I would meet him an hour ago, but I don't know where I am. The woman below replied, You're in a hot air balloon hovering approximately 30 feet above the ground. You're between 40 and 41 degrees north latitude and between 59 and 60 degrees longitude. You must be an engineer, said the balloonist. I am, replied the woman. How did you know? Well answered the balloonist. Everything you told me is technically correct, but I have no idea what to make of your information. And the fact is, I'm still lost. Frankly, you've been... Uh, not much help at all. If anything, you've delayed my trip. The woman below responded, you must be in management. <laughs> you know where I'm going, don't you? I am, replied the balloonist. But how did you know? Well, said the woman, you don't know where you are or where you're going. You've risen to where you are due to a large quantity of hot air. You made a promise which you've no idea how to keep and expect people beneath you to solve your problems. The fact is you are in exactly the same position you were in before we met. But now somehow it's my fault. <laughs> to live an effective life, you have, you have to be responsible. Responsible for what's before you, responsible for the choices that you, that you make in life, and have some values. You So Moses made his decision. He lived with his decision. And all of us somehow in our lives today, on this very day, we're making decisions. Some, as you start this new year in school, you're deciding about the friends you're going to be with. You're, you're making decisions about the crowd that you're running with and the principles that you'll have in your life to live. You're deciding somewhere if, if you make some decisions, you're going to be embarrassed. You're deciding about 
the future of your life. Some of you are in business and you're making decisions about what direction you're going with your life and what directions your business is going to take. Is my life and my business going to honor God or is it just for me and for pleasure? As we get older, we make decisions what we're going to do with the end of our life, the last years. Are we going to live it for ourselves, or are we going to live those years for God and try to make them count for Him? Have some values. Then we find that when we're, I'm not ashamed that I've made my decision for Jesus Christ. I've never been ashamed that I can follow Him and love Him. Do you have the words of, I'm not ashamed, uh, there with you? Those words are so powerful. These words were found in a prison. Uh, at, it was in a prison, said in South Africa, written by a man, uh, Adrian Rogers uh, gave this in one of his messages, or he found it. And he says, uh, I'm not ashamed. He said, that fellowship of the unashamed. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tameless visions, worldly talking, cheap living, and dwarf gold. My face is set. My gate is fast. My gold is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I've stayed up, stored up, and prayed up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I must go till he comes. Give till I drop. Preach till everyone knows. When he comes for his own, he will have no trouble recognizing me. Because my banner will have been clear. I'm standing for the cause of Jesus Christ doesn't matter if we're young or we're old. We can make that decision that we will follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We live by God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. Three things that Moses gave up. He gave up popularity, pleasures, and possessions. God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. Oh, he was the big man at the pyramid. He was a big man at the games, but he was willing to give that up. God's people are more, more, value, more valuable than pleasures. Do you know when you think about his life of all that he had, isn't it something that a person, I thought about how Moses had all of these things and he's willing to give them up. And they were all the things that we live for and move for and breathe for in our life. We, we long for popularity, pleasures, and possessions. And Moses said, I'm turning all of those over because I found something that's invisible, powerful, and worth the rest of my life to follow. God's people are valuable, more valuable than pleasures 
pleasures are fun. Someone says sin is not fun. Well, I, I, I haven't done enough sin. Well, I, get, I don't know where to go from this with this one. But I tell you, sin is a pleasure. People live for pleasures. And it says, for pleasures are for a season. You see, there's a pleasure that people enjoy their sin, but the cycle comes where that sin becomes death. It grips them, it holds them, they can't get out of it, and they live their life paying for the pleasures that they've lived for. Moses said, I can't look at my people, my own people, crying. And here I'm living in a palace, and they're making bricks out of straw. He saw his own people being whipped and killed and divided and beat. He said he looked at those people and he realized that that's part of my family. There's my heritage. And now I've got to give up my heritage in this world so I can have one to redeem these people from where they are. You know what? We're living in a world where people are killed. Children are gassed. We're living in a world where we look at the different parts of the world. We can't just turn our eyes and look somewhere else because we are people, we're human beings. And we look at other human beings with love and respect and we do everything we can to make life better for every person on the earth. Then God's peace is more valuable than possessions. You know, we live, we think life is liberty and the purchase of happiness. No, it doesn't say purchase. It says the pursuit of happiness is everyone's goal in life. Then have some visions. Never take your eyes off of your goals. Because when you do, all you can see is the obstacles in your life and not the goals that you live for. You know, Moses... Uh, when you think of his life and how God used him, all of us want to be used of God. It was uh, George Beverly Shea, one of my favorite uh, ministers of music or led the music for Billy Graham. I was always moved by his life. He said at one point in his life, he was making decisions about what he was going to do the rest of his life. He was tempted to go with a secular organization. They would let him sing. That was his, his pleasure to sing. But they would only let him sing one spiritual song out of the whole concert and radio, a radio program. He was struggling with that. And he said there, uh, he was home and his mother was knowing what he was going through. She found a poem. The poem was by Rhea F. Miller. He said he walked by the piano and he saw this poem. And as he sat down and read it, he said, I not only read it, but I had to sing it. And then at the piano, he said, a melody came while I was reading it. The song was, I'd rather have Jesus. 
silver or gold. That song changed many people's lives. Maybe today it might change yours. Might cause you to, in your school to live for Christ. Might cause you in your marriage and your family to realize that there's something beyond our pleasures and our possessions. It may cause us all to think these days of our life we'll use them for Christ with all the strength and energy that we have. Would you turn, show us that song that George Beverly sang, sung that day at the piano. In a moment, we're going to sing our invitation. Maybe in your life, you're making some decisions. You think when we're young that those decisions can be changed. But we're setting a pattern. We're setting a group of where we'll be, who we'll be with. This morning you may need to just come and pray. God help me as I make decisions that will form the rest of my life. Help me to decide to live for you. I know what's right. I, I've been in Bible school. I've been in Sunday school. I've heard messages. I know what's right. But I need to make a commitment to what's right. I pray that the Holy Spirit would fall. Would fall on all of us today and draw us so close to Him that we know He lives within us. He's given us power to live in victory. What are we going to do? The man here that so many of you have helped change my life. You helped me during a transition period, I'd say all of you, in fact. But one man has been most effective, and that's Mitch Stinnett. Mitch calls people every week, stays in touch with us. He prays for us. He has a great burden for this church. And there's a host of people that do. May that burden be shared with this whole congregation. Support the work of our pastor. The work of Jason and Lisa. Ministry is not easy unless you just come preach once in a while in a pulpit and leave. I don't have to come back on Monday, check on anybody. 
you know what? I'm a member just like you. I carry a burden just like you. I want the best for God's work. Sometimes that takes a commitment. And sometimes it's, I'd rather have Jesus than to live my life in pleasure. I'd rather have him. Mitch, I want you to come up in a moment and have our closing prayer. And I'll leave tomorrow or today, and he won't catch me for a long time because I don't want to embarrass him, but just felt led to do that. Some of you have been looking for a church home. You can join when the pastor's not here. I don't think he'll get upset. I'd, I'd rather have Jesus, because right now he's speaking to me. Maybe there's something in your life, there's an illness. You're diagnosed with something. Can I claim the power of Jesus to walk with me through this illness? I'd rather have Jesus in my illness. As we stand and sing, I want to invite you to come. There are deacons here. There's women that will pray with you. I'll be here. Let, let him have his way in your life.